hello, hello. A very special hello to all listeners for the Baylor Criminal Law Society podcast. I am your host this week, Steve Lowry, and I'm joined by my co-host, the amazing Conagher Jones. Hey, and, Steve. Happy to be here. And the soon-to-be PC student, Ethan Scroggins. Do not remind me. That clock <laughs> is ticking very fast. <laughs> and we are uh, we're missing uh, Mr. Spinlove this week, but he is with us in spirit. Um, but this week we have a very, very special episode. Uh, we are joined by a member of the society, Mr. Mike Bronger. I'm sure that our listeners have seen his smiling face around the law school. Mike, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good, Steve. Thank you for having me here. This is actually, um, this is bucket list uh, material here, buddy. I got to tell you, this is, I've hit it. You know, some students want law review. I wanted this. So thank you for, thank you for having me. Yeah. You clearly have skewed priorities, but I love it. And um, in addition to Mike, uh, we've got a longtime friend of Mike's, a Baylor lawyer uh, who has lived a just downright incredible life, um, Mr. Brad Heilman. I'm saying it, your last name right, Brad. Yes, right? sir, you are. Awesome. Um, who uh, served as a police officer before going to law school. And, um, well, I... I'll let him introduce himself. Uh, Brad, take it away. Well, thank you all for having me. This is my first podcast, so if I sound like an idiot, just stop me. Don't let me keep rambling. And if this thing's only an hour, you don't want me going into my whole background. (laughs) Uh, uh, I guess just a brief introduction. Um, uh, Brad Hallman, I graduated from Baylor in 2011 in the summer. Uh, Prior to that, I was a police officer with the Austin Police Department for five years. And then prior to that, I was in the Army with Mike for seven years. That's awesome. And uh, as our as our viewers know, uh, Conagher serves with the Texas Army National Guard. Um, So it's in a lot of ways, real full circle this episode. And uh, we're we're just really lucky to have both Mike and Brad join us today, um, and especially uh, given how how dang hot it is outside. A uh, little respite from being out in the heat to come inside and film this. But um, you know, just to just kind of kick things off, uh, I think I think the where we'd start is Brad. How how did you and Mike meet? We first met. He we were in Germany together we were stationed in germany i was there before him and uh it was during the clinton drawdown years and so i was actually part of a different unit and then our unit was disbanded so we moved over to where mike was and um, i was on a uh, bradley fighting vehicle brunger was one of the mechanics and we ended up being roommates and then you know the legend happened. <laughs> the legend of Mike Brunger. Oh, oh goodness. Oh goodness. I better jump in here real quick. <laughs> so yeah, we, um, so I, I joined the army. Uh, I wanted the army to teach me something that I knew nothing about if I was going to serve a specific amount of time. So I chose Bradley fighting vehicle mechanic. Um, so Brad and I had two totally different MOSs like jobs. And, uh, so basically Brad would break stuff and I would have to fix it. So he, might add. <laughs> so he kept me busy. He kept me re- really busy. But, uh, I think the highlight of our time together was when we were, uh, deployed to Saudi, I think, uh, January, January 95, we were deployed to Saudi Arabia. Brad, were you an infantryman or a cav scout, or, or what were you? No, it was air defense. I was it was an air defense Bradley, and people that are in the middle of, in the army are like, "What in the heck is that?" And That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even know what it was when when I went to Meps to join. I wanted to be an airborne ranger, and I get it. I got to Meps, took the ASFAB, 
and I mean, I don't remember what I scored on the ASVAB, but they're like, infantry's closed, MP's closed, but hey, we got this cool new MOS over here. That you get to shoot planes out of the air and you know you all these cool things and they showed me this really cool video that wasn't even of a bradley and i was like yes and like, <laughs> put airborne in your contract you can go jump from airplanes and then once you get to airborne school you know you can you know go to ranger school after that and all during ait advanced individual individual training my instructors were like you're not going to airborne school they don't push 30 ton vehicles out of the airplane. <laughs> and I was like, no, I am. I got it in my contract. I'm telling you. And so the first plane that I flew on was to airborne school. The second one was the one I jumped out of. And uh, so after graduation, they go around and they're like, hey, who wants to go to ranger school? And I'm like, me, me, me. They said, what's your MOS? 14 Romeo. Nope, that's a shortage MOS. You got to wait till you get to your unit. It's mm. <laughs> killed my dreams. Classic recruiter tactics, though, to tell you one thing and then have another thing happen to you. Absolutely. They are sales professionals. Yep, that's sure. right. Got me. Yep. Okay. So, uh, and then you got, you're, I interrupted you. You guys went to Saudi together? Oh, yeah. yeah. Mike, Mike was about to discuss our Saudi trip. You might want to censor this. Well, it's, it's okay. It's good. So we, it was really cool, y'all. That we were um, in Dahran, and it was Kobar Towers. Um, Kobar Towers. You know, it made the news. I think in '96, uh, where there was a truck bombing that defaced a few of the towers and took the lives of 19 airmen. Uh, we were there in '95, so you know, fortunately, we we didn't experience that. But uh, so during the day we would go um or over day and night we would guard patriot missile sites it was uh camp lucky base um so we would stay up all night with our saudi counterparts who were amazing we um drank flavored hot tea smoked uh hookah and watched um oh soap operas from e egyptian soap operas all night with these guys and then during the day, we would we would do what soldiers typically did. And we, we went to the pool and we went to the gym. And uh, I, I tell you, I, for me, being in Saudi was this time of my life. I, I had so much fun. Brad, I, I don't know if he shares the same excitement about it. Uh, we went to Bahrain. Um, I don't remember that trip at all, but we did. We went to Bahrain and uh, we had we had a great time, Brad. I will not discuss Bahrain in a public forum. <laughs> I also do not remember a lot about Bahrain. It was beautiful. That was our one, um, I guess, day of vacation, I guess you could say, in, during that seven months. And we took full advantage of it, I think. But uh, yeah, Saudi was great. Uh, Kobar Towers, you know, being stationed there with the Air Force was unlike anything any of us had ever experienced. I mean, you know, if, if I was to tell anybody to join the service, I'd tell them to join the Air Force at this point. <laughs> it was so, I mean, the chow hall was open 24 hours. The gym was open. I mean, you know, Brunger and I and a few of our buddies, we would go to the gym a couple of times a day and uh you know eat three or four meals a day you know, it was great and you know just to tell a little secret about brunger that you probably won't don't know is he was the king of step class step aerobics no no brad actually led a step aerobics class a couple hours a night uh he was adding his own twists and moves to it and you know step aerobics i don't know if young folks i don't even think is it even a thing anymore um, I'm hearing jazzercise. That that's kind of what I'm picturing. <laughs> yeah, you know what, exactly, Steve? You're yeah. you're really close. It's <laughs> really close. But we we were in the front of the room. I mean, we we just it was every day, guys. I, that was probably the best shape of my life too, mm -hmm. to be honest. Because you you weren't you weren't drinking. We weren't in Germany. We it was we were eating, working out, um, and going to the pool, and then working all night. So Saudi was fun. I had a good time. Um. When we came back from that deployment, my time as a full-time army, a member of full-time army came to an end. 
and I joined the National Guard in Oklahoma. Brad, however, and one of the things that I'm, I'm super proud of when I, when I think about Brad and his, and his career, he continued on. And I think, Brad, you, you made it to staff sergeant. Correct. Which is awesome. And um, so I went National Guard, Oklahoma, and then went into the hotel industry. And then that's where Brad and I just are. We kind of just separated off um, until my world came back into, came into Austin and then social media. Thank goodness for, for Facebook. And I think that's how we reconnected probably Brad. And I do remember him as an officer and, and then that's kind of where we came back together. Yeah, I can thank Baylor for that too, because we didn't have a Facebook until I got accepted into Baylor and they're like, I don't know if they still do it, but back then they would send out, hey, join this Facebook group with all of your future classmates and get to know them before you come in. I was like, I don't have a Facebook. I'm too old for Facebook. And uh, so back then you had to use your school email address to join Facebook. <laughs> and uh, so I did. And I met a lot of people that I continued to have a relationship. Yeah. But, you know, I can say if it, I wouldn't be going to Baylor probably if it wasn't for Brad, you know, he, um, well, I'll, I'll back up, <laughs> back up a little. So I was 20 plus years in hotels and, and I got just burnt out, just fed up. Um, it was extremely hard to get in the, into the same market as my wife. And it was, I was in Oklahoma city commuting into Austin every Friday. And I remember sending Brad a text one day and I was just fed up. I was like, Hey, Brad, what do you think about? me being a paralegal. And he responded with, no, no, you're going to be a lawyer. Like, oh, wow. Okay. And you know, that feeling when you're on the other side of the LSAT and the other side, it seems, it seems almost unattainable. And that's how I felt at that point in time. And I just wanted to get out of that hotel industry. Um, but then rewind a little or forward, got the LSAT out of the way. Mr. Brad Heilman uh, coordinates a, a campus tour with, with Professor Fusilier. Um, and this issue wouldn't even be proper if we didn't mention her and give her a shout out. Uh, she loves her veterans. And, and you know, I, I've, I haven't even had a class with her, Brad. That's terrible. Boy, I, yeah, I hear she beat you up pretty bad. She did. <laughs> well, okay, so that kind of, leads me to my next question, I guess, is how each of you, or why law school? Um, we start with Mike, you were kind of talking about it. Why, why, why were you thinking paralegal originally and then law school? Like what? what well, the paralegal, I think was just a quick, easy out of the hotel career. But if I go back 20 years, when I got out of the full-time army and went into the, the National Guard, it was strictly for college. It was strictly to go to college. Um, and for some reason, I thought the natural progression, I went uh, um, criminal, uh, criminal studies. And I, I wasn't really thinking about law school at that point until I realized, you know what, if you open your textbooks and study, you can actually do well in school. So I kind of upped my target a little bit and said, you know, let me change this to pre-law, whatever that meant back when you're working on your associates or your undergrad. So, um, and then life happened, right? met a young lady. We started a family. So the whole law school thing got pushed to the side. And then it wasn't until my end time in the, in the hotel industry that my wife, my current wife today said, Hey, do you remember that dream you had 20 years ago? I was like, well, yeah. And she goes, well, let's revisit that. I was like, wow. Wow. And we're fortunate that I can even do this right now. And then that's when Brad really stepped up and I, I owe him so much y'all. He, he's done so much for me. Y'all don't even know uh the from the campus visit let me tell you guys about this campus campus visit real quick <laughs> i got a couple takeaways y'all um so we we sit in on professor fusler's property class right and this young lady sitting in front of us and she gets cold called and she stands up and she goes off into the ditch right away she she didn't read the the material and I'm sitting there going, oh my gosh, this is hardcore. 
And I remember after the class, I, I, I leaned over to Brad and I said, Brad, why didn't she just, why didn't she read the material? Why, did, why didn't she read the case? And Brad didn't say a thing. And I think he was thinking to himself, oh my, oh my gosh, just wait. And you know what? I have been in that young lady's shoes no less than a dozen times since that day. And I was so naive and such a noob. So young lady, if you're out there listening to this, I'm giving you a virtual hug right now. We've all been in those shoes. So that was my one takeaway. I just humbled, I so naive. Um, the second, we Professor Fuseler took us to lunch in the restaurant overlooking the uh, the stadium. And man, I was just, wow, this is crazy. And if you've ever been, the, the thing I can compare the feeling to is if you've been to a, a, a dealership and you're buying a car and you've been spending a couple hours with the salesman and they haven't checked your credit yet and you're just kind of sweating, you're like, oh no. I was like, have they even looked at my LSAT score? What am I doing here? <laughs> Why am I here? But honestly, guys, I think, you know, having some experience, I think that kind of weighed in my favor. But having Brad, who, who uh, you know, the, the professors at Baylor really took to him and, and believed in him. So, you know, I, I think, honestly, I, I, I really have to owe it to, to Brad for getting me where I'm at today, honestly. Well, thank you for saying that, but it's all you. Mm, you're, yeah. the one, you're the one that does the hard work. And uh, I'll, I'll throw in a thank you as well to Brad. Uh, having started with Mike and been through five quarters with Mike, I can say unapologetically and absolutely that our class would not be who we are without Mike Brunger. And there, like, he, he uh, thank you, Brad, for bringing Mike into our class and, and getting it on his radar and getting, because uh, Mike, seriously, you know, you're, you're, just a light in our class. You know, I don't think I've ever seen you without a smile on your face. And that's saying something five quarters of law school, <laughs> including the transactional quarter. I better watch out, but, uh, <laughs> but I've never, never seen Mike with anything less than a huge grin on his face, ready to make us all feel like, Hey, we're going to make it through. So uh, both of y'all, I, I appreciate you, Brad. And I appreciate you, Mike. Thank you. I tell Thank you that has how, I have always known Mike like from the first day that I met him in the army. He was the one always with the smile, always with the jokes, you know, out there with the skateboard, just cracking people up, yeah. and, you know, listening to skater music. I was like, what is this? <laughs> what, <laughs> is this? <laughs> what is this that we're listening to? But, uh, you know, I really uh, enjoyed all my time with Mike and learned a lot from him. Mm -hmm. So enough about, about me and hotels and all that nonsense. I want to get to Brad and from his yeah. point, when he got out of the military into the APD and to today. Yes, please. Absolutely. Okay. Well, my first, I guess, interaction with lawyers was as a kid. Um, and back home in Oklahoma, I had a friend whose mother was an attorney and she was drop dead gorgeous and all of us wanted to go spend the night with him because we wanted to see his beautiful mother and so she you know she would talk about the law and so it was intriguing right so i, I never really thought about being a lawyer but it the law started you know i started getting interested in the law back then and then in high school uh you know an unfortunate event um, where my mother and her boyfriend were arrested and we ended up on the other side of the law and I ended up in a couple of foster homes, I kind of started disliking the law. And so I, um, I decided that I was going to go wrestle for the University of Oklahoma and then a baby derailed that so I joined the army instead and I spent seven years in the army. I took some correspondence classes, no college, anything like that. I mean, I was deployed three times at one point I was, um, 
training to go to the Delta Force Selection School. So I always did crazy stuff that just kept me too busy or just excuses not to further my education. And so then um, I met my current wife right after I was promoted to staff sergeant. And I had custody of my son at that point. And it was brutal. I'd been deployed to Bosnia after I got custody of him, um, training in California, just all these things. And she was like, why don't you just get out of the army and, and just go to school? And I was like, well, you know, I can't really do that. You know, I've worked my whole life. You know, I just can't imagine just going to school. And, uh, <laughs> and so she was like, well, and my wife was a professional back then, still is, but she was, you know, in the professional world and I was just this dumb soldier. And she was like, you know, you could be a lawyer because she had interacted with lawyers. And I was like, yes, I want to be rich. I want to be a lawyer. <laughs> and so I took two summer sessions of college, you know, and I was acing the classes, but I was like, man, I got to get a job. This, this school stuff's for the birds. And so getting out of the army and the job that I did, there was really only two things that I could do with no education. One is a janitor and the other is a cop. And so I chose to be a cop. And APD thankfully, uh, you know, accepted me and I joined APD. And then a few years into the career, um, five basically i started realizing that maybe this isn't what i wanted to do for the rest of my life a lot of things were changing in the world i was seeing things inside and outside that i just really thought this is not something that i'm going to spend the rest of my life doing i loved the people that i worked with but it was just starting to get a little crazy for me so i revisited going to school so I went to school at night at Concordia and um, to, to get my undergraduate degree. So while that was going on, um, I was involved in an incident where a guy tried to take my gun from me and I had to use force on him and uh, didn't end well for him obviously, but um, it just, all of a sudden we were under investigation. My partner, who was also involved, he was put on restricted duty and I was not. And so I thought, okay, well, maybe I'm in the clear. I don't know. This is really strange. But a month later, he, uh, I was working in his area and I ended up having to shoot somebody. And the guy had, you know, suicide notes in his pocket that he was going to do it basically do a suicide cut by cop and so after i shot him i did first aid on him and he lived and at the end of the year it came down and i got indicted but it wasn't for the shooting it was for the other thing i was no build for the shooting but i got indicted on the other use of force case for official oppression thought wow this is bizarre and when i went in you know, grand jury secrets, so I can't say anything about the grand jury, even though it's all been expunged. But, uh, you know, basically I was asked two questions and kicked out. And so we ended up getting indicted and we had a criminal trial. And in the middle of the criminal trial, we found officers not telling the truth on the stand. I'll say that much. And I was flabbergasted. I was like, this is crazy. And, you know, we found out that the district attorney was hiding Brady evidence in a filing cabinet, and we found it the day before trial. And then we found out that my attorney and I were secretly recorded, and that it was common practice at the police department, and they um, turned it over to the DA's office. So it was all these crazy things. And so I was sitting there at the defense table and I looked at my attorney, Terry Kill, and Jason Nassour, and I said, you know what, if I make it out of this, I'm going to law school. I said, I don't like 
what is happening as an officer. I don't like what is happening. But I also said, if they're going to do this to one of their own, what do you think they're doing just to the average citizen? You know, and it's not, not the street cops, it's the higher ups, right? And so I said, I'm not going to let this happen on my watch, so I'm going to go to law school. So I applied, took the LSAT, did all of that. And um, this guy, this victim in this case, ended up suing us in federal court. So in the middle of the trial in federal court, I got accepted into Baylor. And so when we won that, I'm sorry, we were found not guilty, by the way. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we were acquitted of the crime, and then he sued us in federal court, and we won that. And the reporters, you know, outside, they're like, what are you going to do now? And my buddy's like, well, I'm going to be a cop still. And they're asking me if I was going to be a cop. And I said, nope, I'm going to Baylor Law School. I'm going to make sure this doesn't happen to anyone else. And so um, I applied, I think, for the spring quarter. And I was accepted into the spring quarter. And, you know, I this is a, probably going to be a pretty public thing. It's not something that I've shared a lot, but I ended up not going in the spring. And this is just kind of a testament to Baylor. I ended up having to put my son in rehab. And so I said, I'm not going to go to law school. I'm going to get a different job. And so once he started doing better, I contacted Baylor. I was like, look, I can't come. Is there any way that I could start in the summer? And they graciously allowed me to postpone until summer and start in the summer. So I knew right then that I made the right choice to go to Baylor for sure. That is quite a, a story. And, and it all started with your friend's mom. I, I don't want to <laughs> lose sight of that. <laughs> okay. So how did law school treat you then? Uh, law school was brutal. Okay. Um, I found it probably more difficult than a lot of people. I think maybe being older and coming from law enforcement, you know, law enforcement, it's really black and white, right? When you're out there, you, you know, probable cause, you, you did this, you're going to jail kind of, you know, it's just, we look at things black and white. And then what you learn in law school is the law is not black and white. It may be black and white on a piece of paper, but it is not black and white by any stretch of the imagination. And I struggled with that. And, I'll t you know, and Brunger was talking about Fusilier. I think, you know, Fusilier and, you know, Dean Jackson, who was the assistant dean back then, I think they, they kept me in law school. They really did. Because Fusilier, you know, she, after a final exam, I think it was the first final, she called me in her office after she graded my test. And trust me, I did terribly. I passed, but barely. And she just had a lot of questions for me because in class, I could stand up and I could say the answer. You know, I mean, I stayed up all night. I made sure that I knew the material. And I, I did fine in class. And then the final exam, I did poorly because really I wanted to just get to the end result and not the analysis to get to the end result. And I think you've all learned by now that's <laughs> that's not what you do in law school. And so Dean Jackson, you know, she called me in her office multiple times just to mentor me and just try to get me out of that mindset. And the, those two definitely saved my law school career. But then you want to hear, I'm probably... I probably have the record for the fastest memo in PC. So Ethan, this is a little tip for you. Uh, learn the mailbox rule before day one. Okay, so this is a shout out to Professor Jim Wren. <laughs> um, so I guess I can back up. You don't really wanna make a name for yourself in law school. Right, because if you make a name for yourself, whether it's good or bad, you're going to get picked on. Right, it's bad enough I'm the oldest, older guy in class, um, and you know I apparently look like a cop, but it, word got around that I was a cop. And I kind of got into it with Professor Sarah the first day of class because I wasn't real happy with what he was teaching these kids, <laughs> and so uh, you know I love Sarah now uh you know i had them for about five classes 
and we made up in Guadalajara when we were, uh, you know, abroad. But he and I, we would go back and forth in class, right? And then um, we're in PC, very first day. <laughs> Jim Rand walks in the door. He doesn't even get to the podium. And he says, Officer Hallman, explain the mailbox rule. I stand up and I fumble all over myself. Totally get it wrong. So he calls on three or four people. Everybody gets it wrong. That's before he got to the podium. And what happens? All right, Mr. Hallman, you write the memo on the mailbox rule. So that was, that was my first PC fumble. And then in a mini trial, I don't know, have you seen, have you guys seen The Staircase, the documentary where the uh, woman fell down the stairs and they accused the husband and then they blamed that they say it was an owl or a bird? Well, my mini trial for expert witnesses was uh, basically that's The Staircase movie. And so me thinking that I'm cute and funny, I guess, decided that I was going to do a somersault into the jury box to show what it was like when she fell down the stairs. And Professor Counselor jumped out of his seat, ran and got Professor Powell, brought Professor Powell in the room and was like, you know what he just did? And they gave me such a hard time. And counselors, don't you ever do that again in court. And I was like, okay <laughs> and uh so then it was just a common joke that every minute mini trial i had to figure out how to uh do a somersault and so then when it came time for big trial you'll never guess who got selected for the titanic that was me right and pal to this day he won't tell me why i got selected for titanic but i think i know and i was told do not do a somersault in Titanic. And luckily I had Professor Fusilier as my expert on uh, rivets. She was amazing, by the way. I don't know if y'all still do Titanic or not, but she was, she's the best. And so the only way that I can figure out how to get a somersault in is to trip as I'm going up to show her a piece of evidence. And I did. So that's kind of what happened to me in law school. <laughs> but I did learn I have not done it in a single trial since. That was going to be my next question, if we've if done a somersault in, in real court. <laughs> no, I think yeah. that, that there would be some contempt issues there. Uh, I'm, I think it is incredible that not only you managed to do it once, but you continue to do it. That that is what stood out to me. That's incredible. <laughs> That's uh, a little bit of ignorance, stupidity, and just you know stubbornness, really. Bravery. Yeah. They. I tell you, they wanted me to do it on the stage when I was getting my uh, my diploma. All my class classmates were like, "Do it, do it," and my wife said, "If you do it, I will divorce you." <laughs> like, okay, I'll, I'll. You trump me on that. <laughs> oh. And, and Brad, I want to I want to circle back real quick too, and say uh, also I know that our viewers appreciate it. I appreciate you being so raw and real with us, you know, and telling your story. And uh, it's like Conagher said earlier; it is incredible. It, it's it is not what I expected. Thank you. You know, it just your life experiences really help in this field. I think, you know, I, I really connect with my clients. I think, you know, they come in and they see that I'm just not this guy that just went to school his whole life and I haven't done anything else. I can look them in the eyes and say, I have sat in that chair across from my lawyers who are actually my law partners eventually. Um, and, uh, said, I've been in your seat. I, I can guide you through this personally. I can, guide you through this professionally, whether it's a criminal defendant or a police officer going through administrative or criminal charges. You know, I've been through pretty much anything that they're going to go through. Yeah, that kind of goes back to our uh, 
criminal law society mantra, Steve, of be a normal person, you know, being able to relate to, to the people you work for and to not just, um, you know, see the, the legal side of things, but also the personal side of the people that you're interacting with. That's, that's very important. And that's a recurring theme with us. Good. Is good. that uh, is that kind of like the standard for those type of attorneys that they've been through those kind of experiences? Or do you think that that's just a super unique thing for you? I think it's a fairly unique thing. Um, you know, one thing that, you know, one, one big piece of advice if you're going to go into criminal law is, you know, don't ever look down on your clients don't or just anybody in the system. Right. Um, they're going through the worst time of their life. Always have patience. You know, they will blow up your phone at all different hours of the night, you know, and they'll say some things that you're like, you know, want to pull your hair out if I had any. Um, but you just got to always remember, and I really, I guess it could be in any type, but definitely in the criminal aspect, is uh, ne- never think you're better than anyone else because you're not you know, be humble in this practice um, try to guide them and just listen to them. You know, the, the, like I said, you're going to have people that it's the worst times in their life and you're going to have a whole bunch of those people that you're dealing with at one time, right? So you always have to keep that in perspective. Um, just, you know, be kind, be humble and just listen. And Brad, you are, you're extremely humble, my friend. I'm serious. You, you guys, you should follow him on, on Facebook and just see the, the number of lives he's touched in the role as an attorney. Uh, you know, I, I am a firm believer that things happen for a reason in our lives and he's an attorney for a reason. There's a purpose, but man, he, I have it. There isn't an officer in this area that does not know Brad Heilman. I, it's a fact. And that's Round Rock, the surrounding area. Um, you know, he, he got me this internship in, in Williamson County. Uh, and I joke with Brad all the time that I'm going to be his campaign manager one of these days. <laughs> but honestly, he has, he has touched so many lives. It, it's crazy. So proud of you. I'm more proud of you. Okay. And uh, Brad, I, I understand you cook a mean rack of ribs as well, based on, you know, I, I followed you on Instagram a while back, literally be on upon Mike's recommendation. Cause it, you know, I think it's, it's pretty well-known fact in our class. I'm something of a jokester and uh, like, like putting a lot of memes in our uh, group chat. And Mike basically said, boy, do I have the one for you to follow. <laughs> and, uh, and it's, it seems like just about every other weekend you got maybe the best looking barbecue in the state of Texas, which is huge. The bars up here, you know, um, um, posted on the story. So I, it's my understanding that you can cook barbecue with the best of them. I appreciate that. You know, that's, that's a big stress reliever for me. I haven't done it as often this year cause I've been, you know, really busy. Uh, but you know, after the, I get all these trials over, I'll get back into doing it as frequently as I can. But, you know, I, it's like being a lawyer and being a cop and being a soldier started out with no clue what I was doing, no clue. And now I think it's okay. People, people seem to like it. You know, I fed a couple of police departments, what, two weeks ago and they seem to like it. So, uh, yeah, you know, I think it's important to find stress relievers. Absolutely. And if you guys ever want to try it, feel free to come on down. Uh, that's, that's going to be my next, uh, text as soon as the zoom's over. (laughs) Um, now, but, um, you know, I see we're, we're getting, uh, probably about 10 minutes out. Um, definitely wanted to open the floor up to both you, Brad and Mike on advice that you have for young, um, you know, young soldiers that are interested in eventually going on to law school, young officers that are interested in looking at law school. Um, Mike, on your part, people in the hotelier industry that are looking for a change, just advice that both of y'all would have for any of our listeners, you know? You know, I, I try not to give a lot of advice to young, young individuals about the military because 
the military changes so fast. What I know and can speak on today doesn't relate. Mm. I mean, it's been many, many years. Um, One piece of advice I would just generally put out there is if you're a young young individual and, and, and you like school, but you don't really know where you want to go or what you want to do, take the LSAT, read up on it a little bit, just take it. Some, you know, it's in, it's intuitive for some of those. I hate them. I hate those people, but it, some people can walk in and do well, but you know, just take it. Um, other than that, I just, uh, you can't really force things to happen. It kind of goes back to the point with Brad, you know, things happen in our lives. Steve, you know, this better than anyone on here that, that kind of shape you as a person and, and send you in a path. So I'm, I don't, I don't have a lot more advice than that. Brad may, I I don't. Well, I spoke to the police academy, the current class that's going through when they first started. They invited me to come speak to them. And, you know, one of these new cadets had a very interesting question for me. And, you know, it's no secret what's going on you know, in the world with, with law enforcement and then specifically Travis County. And these officers, you know, this was officer asked, look, you know, we're coming into this, but how do we stay motivated to, you know, do the right thing, be a cop, stick it out, go out there on the streets and protect people that don't want us to protect them, that we could do everything right and we could still get indicted. And my advice to them would be the same that I would give to a soldier or a cop that, you know, wants to be a lawyer as you wanted to do this for a reason, right? You're passionate about helping people. And if you are not in here for the right reason, then don't stay. If this is not something you're passionate about helping whoever, then find a different line of work because this play, this will eat you up. And the same thing with an attorney, being an attorney. If you are not passionate about if you're just like, hey, I want to go to school because with a law degree, I can do whatever I want. You know, I can get a job not being a lawyer. I would say, don't do that. Find a different career. Like the law is tough. Okay. Being a lawyer is tough. It's a lot of work. And I remember being in law school going, holy cow, late nights every night. And me being older, I saw all these younger kids that could go out and party and play softball and all these fun things and still just destroy me in class, you know? And I was very impressed by that. Um, but uh, yeah, you just, you, you, you gotta have a passion for it and you gotta really wanna do it or it will eat you up. And, you know, Baylor Law School, if you wanna be a litigator, this is the place to be 100 percent if you want to be in court go to baylor you know my my daughter's a lawyer in colorado and um she was got accepted into baylor but she does not want to be a litigator she didn't want to be a litigator right of course i'm like come on still go to baylor and she's like i I do not want to stand up in front of people i don't want to you know talk to juries i'm just scared of public speaking. I just want to be a transactional lawyer. And so she went to uh, Denver, graduated and her first job out. She's killing it in-house counsel at a meat processing place, a national meat processing place. Right. And so she's killing it. So really you, you figure out what you want to do and just do it. And Baylor, I had a trial, a jury trial for aggravated assault, six months out of law school by myself in Kerrville, Texas. And right before Vore Dyer, you can edit this out, but I threw up. I went straight to the bathroom. I was so nervous, I threw up. And then I went in there and killed it. And there's only one reason, and that was Baylor Law School. You know, I can, I can tell you guys in this internship, I've seen a lot of defense attorneys and uh, you know what, Brad, I've, I've gotten to see Brad and 
isn't this weird? I, th this was a very surreal moment for me. We, I was sitting with the prosecutors. He was on the other side of the table. They were working their deal. But the way Brad talked to the judge, his demeanor in the courtroom, it is different. It, it was. And I'm, I'm not just making that up. Um, it, it is obvious sometimes. Baylor grads are, are, are just uh, trained differently and better. Very proud. I'm proud of all of you for being there. You just keep that Baylor name going, keep that, you know, camaraderie going, and uh, re remember that you will always represent Baylor Law School and the professors at Baylor Law School. And, and for that, I... Is you, sorry, just one last thing, Steve. Oh, yeah. Is I don't know a Baylor lawyer that isn't accessible to new lawyers after you graduate. There's Facebook groups, emails, text messages. I mean, it's we're we're all we've all been through pc you know that is a bonding moment even if we weren't in the same same pc class we've been through it and baylor lawyers will always be available for you after you graduate yeah and uh i was gonna uh say just on that you know representing the school the brand um i pray that none of my future employers ever happen to take a look at my gpa Aside from that, <laughs> no, I tried, I tried to fit in a GPA joke. Conniger and Ethan can attest about every, every single episode. Um, but no, yeah, I, I agree entirely. Just what I've seen this summer in my internships, that um, it's, it does carry weight. In, in, I've been in the city of Houston for the first half of the summer and up north of Dallas in Collin County the second half. And uh, both both places, I feel like I've seen distinct advantage uh, or not not advantage, rather distinct skill um, that that the, the Baylor lawyers carry. And uh, they you know, Baylor talks a lot about professionalism and I'm sure every law school does. It's it's the going thing now that we, you know, focusing on professionalism. I'll tell you that it's it has been refreshing in every way imaginable to see professional professionalism exhibited. Because you know, you watch the TV shows, you watch Law and Order, you watch Suits, and it it's they're not a a good measure for how the interactions are um, between prosecutors and defense attorneys, uh, plaintiffs' attorneys and defense attorneys, judges, prosecutors, um, judges, defense attorneys, and the the I I say this, and I think that I I can speak with authority on my limited scope of experience that the TV shows get it wrong. The, the, the vast majority, if not all of the interactions I've seen have been extremely, extremely professional, cordial, civil. And there, there's been a clear recognition between all parties that, Hey, you know, yes, you're playing on this side. I'm on the other team. Um, we're both playing the same sport and we both want to see a good game played. And, um, you know, I, as my other two co-hosts can attest, I tend to ramble. Um, I guess all of that to say uh, that I agree entirely. And, uh, two, I, you know, always try to make it a point. Brad, Mike, and Conniger knows this. I appreciate your service to the United States, to our communities. Um, and it, it means a lot to me uh, that y'all have taken the, that mantle up not just in serving as soldiers, but then serving as, uh, you know, servants of the public uh, by way of being an officer and then being attorneys. So thank you. And, and thank you so much for being on the show. You know, I know that this episode is going to be chock full of great information and uh, absolutely great stories as well. I will say we probably won't edit out the, uh, the, uh, part where you said you threw up before the trial, I, I, there, I don't know if there's been a final session yet where I haven't gone and thrown up uh, before taking that first final of the quarter. Um, it's so I, I really just appreciate you, Brad and Mike, and uh, been when great. You walk into court and you're not nervous, just like your finals. If you're not nervous, then it might be time to hang it up. That that is uh, Greg White. I don't know if he was a professor when you were there, Brad, but he's uh, incredible. He he was my mock coach, my Lark three professor, and he started our Lark three class with that exact sentiment that the moment you come into court and you don't have butterflies, it's time to retire. It's time to change change paths. 
Um, so I, I agree entirely. Well, thank you all for having me on here. I really appreciate it. It's my first podcast and the best so far. Man, Brad, I think you have a voice for this. Honestly, I can't wait to hear this because I, I, it's just a smooth like butter. Buddy. Yeah, we'll talk about that offline. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Steve. Steve. I was going to go to Best Buy and try to get one of those microphones. that <laughs> you know? And those lights. <laughs> um, Steve, Ethan, and Conger and Chris, when he hears it, thank you guys for the service you're providing. Uh, Baylor, Crim Law, student, all, all the students in the law school that listen to this. Um, I can tell you real quick, uh, anyone that's looking into internships really need, I think it's ish, uh, episode number 19, um, Ethan, Ethan, you give so much, uh, so many great tips when, for, for people going into internships. I've taken a few of them and, and I put it into use during this internship. So that's a really good uh, episode for folks going into internships. So thank you guys for putting all the work and effort into this. Oh yeah, I've really enjoyed listening to your podcast. Whenever you reached out to me, I started, I didn't even know it existed. And so I went back and listened to, you know, previous podcasts and they're awesome. Mm-hmm. Really Amazing. And we're, uh, we're, we're so lucky to uh, have amazing guests like yourselves and um, have a platform. You know, it, it, you, you talk all the time, you think a uh, hundred years ago, all the things that people didn't have, technologically speaking, um, just the ability to be able to connect with people. You, you know, Brad, you're in Austin right now. Mike, you're in Austin. Um, Conniger, you're out in Colorado. Ethan, are you still in Waco? Um, yeah, and I'm in Arkansas right now. So it's such a unique thing that we're able to make this connection, have meaningful conversation, um, camaraderie from different corners of the nation. And I, I think it's just it's a testament to the human ingenuity. It's awesome. It's awesome. But you know, uh, with that, um, listeners, thank you again for being here today and letting these two amazing guests tell their stories and inspire you. I know it's inspired me. And until next week, take care and we'll see you then. <laughs>